Pretty much wrong at every step of the way. Yeah. And welcome to the Down and Front Podcast, the official podcast of downandfrontpodcast.com. If this is your first time tuning in and hanging out with us, we want to say thank you so much for tuning in. Thanks so much for joining. What we usually dear, do here on the Down and Front Podcast is that we review movies, TV shows, all while having our favorite alcoholic beverages. And tonight we are going to be talking about the newest film in theaters right now that has a lot of buzz about it, and maybe not the best way. Uh, Hellboy, directed by Neil Marshall, starring David Harbour and Mila Djokovic. Uh, before we get into that, before we get into our spoiler, we're going to go around and talk about a bit of a roundtable. We're going to talk about what else we've been watching, along with what we're currently sipping on. And so, as always, I'm going to start sending over to one of my best friends. We grew up together way back in Tennessee. Mr. Tennessee. Tennessee. Uh, Tennessee. Mr. Mouth of the South. Brylan, what's going on, man? What you been sipping on, and what else have you been watching? Good evening, Warren. Good evening, Mocha. Uh, what I've been sipping on recently, since I'm still recovering from a really bad illness... I'm keeping it non-alcoholic tonight. I got some Gatorade Zero, the lemon-lime flavor. I'm sure Blue would call it golden yellow Gatorade if he was here. Um, (laughs) But um, what I've been watching recently is I checked out a new TV show and a new movie that came out recently. Uh, The new TV show I was watching was uh, the TV adaptation of What We Do in the Shadows, uh, which is based on one of Taika Waititi's uh, first films. Uh, If you've never seen the movie, it's hilarious. It shows, like, why Taika is considered, like, such a... Uh, great storyteller and the sense of humor like he brought along with Thor Ragnarok you'll find it all in this movie but the TV show is also very good as well Uh, it's definitely not the same cast it deals with a different house of vampires Uh, but uh, they do uh, hit on similar points of like um, the the very light um, like uh, universe building that they did in the movie, they continue with that. Uh, so yeah, we get werewolf encounters in this as well. But um, it's a it's a fun uh, TV show, thirty minutes. It it feels like a really nice sitcom, kind of like Office like. Uh, and but if you've seen the movie, you might feel like some of the jokes have already been explored. But they're starting to open it up with some really interesting takes. Like uh, there's one thing that they have they introduce energy vampires and to see them in action is pretty hilarious so i would i've watched the first three episodes i'm definitely going to stick with it it's just a lot of fun if you ever want a tv show where you don't have to follow much about what's going on but you want to just enjoy what it is and have a good laugh definitely check out what we do in the shadows on fx 
Um, and the movie that I was watching recently was Missing Link, Laika's follow-up to Kubo and the Two Strings. Uh, it has a wonderful cast with Hugh Jackman and Zach Galifianakis and uh, Zoe Saldana. Uh, and would I say that Missing Link is just as good as Kubo? It is, but in a different way. Um, its story is definitely a little bit more drier and wittier than the emotional story that we got from Kubo. But the amazing thing about this is I definitely recommend anybody going to see it uh, in theaters. It's that Leica is experts of their craft with this visual storytelling of claymation. And I've never felt a claymation movie feel as epic as like a big adventure movie. And that's one thing they definitely pull off in this film is that every set piece is amazing. It feels epic in scope. Uh, and it's great to go on this fun adventure. I mean, they are great at telling great stories. And this is also one you should definitely check out. So Missing Link, if possible, definitely see it in movies. Yeah, I actually didn't realize that Leica made that movie, um, so I completely casted it off as just a weird movie there, but now that you say that Leica met, met, like actually made that movie, I'm probably going to go watch it, because I don't think there's been a Leica movie that I haven't liked, and by liked, I mean I haven't I haven't seen a Leica movie that I haven't loved. Um, right. And so, I'm all down for that. I mean, this is the same ones that did Frank and Rini, you know, Caroline, uh, Caroline <laughs> Coraline, uh, Kubo, as you talked about, Paranorman. Uh, Paranorman. Um, I think the, the maybe the least one, but it was still I really enjoyed it. Was the uh, shit box trolls? Um, so that's actually dope. So good to know. I'm I'm actually pretty excited to go check that out now. So appreciate it, Brylin. Uh Thanks for coming on. Thanks so I can see your face. Um, I'm gonna toss it over to my other best friend, the guys that he's living in between. New York, France, and maybe Boston? Who knows? Mr. Mocha Mike, what's going on, man? What you sipping on tonight with that fly shirt? What else have you been watching? Hey, yo, what up, everybody? Uh, I agree, Warren. I don't even know where I'm living lately, and I would appreciate if someone could tell me so I could find some semblance of normalcy in my life. Um, but <clears throat> as for what I've been drinking, what I've been watching... Let's start with the watching. I recently uh, have been taking a tour of some films that I missed from last year. So I took a look at Widows, a film that was reviewed on this very podcast, uh, much to the dismay, I believe, of Warren and some of the other guests. I definitely saw the flaws in that movie. It wasn't great. Uh, I don't even know how well it could be classified as good. But I didn't hate my time watching it. Um, but I watched that. Uh, also, I'm in the midst of my MCU rewatch, as discussed previously. Um, I am hella behind because that Endgame comes out in like two weeks, and I am about halfway through Phase 2 right now. Though I am doing it in chronological order, um, not in film release order, so it's a bit thrown around. But I've been really enjoying that. Um, I've seen these 22 movies each at least like four to five times, um, some of them significantly more than that. And I always, I still get something new out of like going back and rewatching uh, old movies, and it's really fun seeing the journey that each of these characters has gone through. And it's going to be uh, sad to see it all come to an end in a few weeks. Yeah, um, that's what okay. I'm drinking. Uh, if you mind me uh, asking you something, how granular are you getting with the chrono- chronology of the movies? Are you just factoring in like exactly like where the big story takes place? Because we know some of these movies 
they have intros that start billions of years ago. So, <laughs> yeah. So I am basing them on more or less where the main chunk of a give of the given uh, plot for that movie takes place. Um, you know, it's going to get a little twi- a little uh, twitchy with some other films that are coming out or that are on my way. But overall, they do tend to set themselves in pretty specific time frames. And I'm using whatever that larger portion or more focused on portion is as my uh, my basis. Um, so right now, I just got done with Avengers, uh, as well as Iron Man 3, Winter Soldier. And I'm on my way to oh, Thor the Dark World as well. And I'm on my way to the Guardians of the Galaxy series before I get on to Avengers 2. So it's been it's been fun. And it's, it's a cool way to watch it as well. Nice. Um, as for what I've been drinking, tonight I'm sipping on another local spirit. It is from King's County Distillery in this super sketchy bottle that I picked up from my local uh, <laughs> winery. Um, and basically it is a chocolate whiskey. Um, I don't know if you can see it here. It's quite interesting. They basically brewed their, or made their whiskey, distilled their whiskey and then locked it up in casks with cacao husks. So it has a really, really strong taste of cacao, but it's the kind of bitter, like planty, like earthy cacao taste. Nice. Um, it's actually kind of nice. It's really we- It was really weird at first, but it kind of tastes like a mix. It kind of tastes like like uh, like like alcoholic chocolate milk. So I've got you know some hints of nos- of childhood nostalgia and some hints of like general sin all mixed together to create this nice little beverage that I'm sipping on tonight. So were you, were you the kid that bought YooHoo at the grocery store all the time? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, I definitely was a YooHoo. Oh my god, that stuff was vile. Oh uh, no but, way, I mean, dude! That- I was. I was a Yoohoo kid and I was a Banana Quick boy. I was those two things. Uh, banana Quick, Terrible. ew, bro. Yep. Quick had a had a banana milk version. No, they had strawberry, strawberry and they had banana. They also chocolate. had vanilla, which was hilarious because it was just fucking milk. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yo, bananas the shit. If you can get your hands on banana milk quick, definitely give it a try. When's your birthday? Yeah. I'm gonna see if I can find some for you. <laughs> oh man, I'm not gonna say it on air because I don't want people to troll me on my birthday. But I'll tell you afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> offline I appreciate but uh that's um that's neat like uh i wonder like it the way you sound you make the chocolate sound like it reminds me of like chocolate i like now instead of just it where chocolate starts tasting like candy and starts tasting like fruit that's kind uh-huh. of like where i like to get chocolate now and that very dark flavor exactly i'll see if i can bring up a bottle of this for you next time i go to boston because i think you'd like it awesome well, I will let you know, we actually did not review Widows. Um, you just probably heard me hmm. shitting on it. <laughs> um, oh, word. Okay, yeah. never mind. <laughs> yeah, I was like... Maybe I should go re-record all that. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah, I mean, you definitely heard me shitting on it. I mean, it wasn't like... I, I, I for sure... Uh, uh, you know, spoiler for Widows, but when they killed the... When they put the white policeman killing the black kid for no reason in the movie, I had some issues. Uh, especially and, because there uh, was that there was there wasn't really that wasn't a neat that wasn't what the movie was about. So and it also wasn't really impactful. So that was like another big thing that for me I was like oh fuck. Along with other things I'm like man this doesn't make any sense to me. But you know we're at like 150 plus episodes at this point. I doubt any of our viewers or listeners have the uh, uh, endurance to go back and fact check that we didn't review Widows. So. Uh, I just as far as I'm concerned, it happened. No, I just fact check. I can tell you for a fact. Blue it. Take care of this in post. 
<laughs> not even on this episode. <laughs> I love you just screaming in your room for blue and just like over a thousand miles away. Well, Mocha, it's great to see your face. It's great to have you on um, for this review. My name is Warren. I will be your host this evening. Uh, I am currently sipping on a phenomenal mixed drink. Uh, quick tidbit. I found that I like Sierra Mist in whiskey more than I like ginger ale, a whiskey ginger ale. So Sierra Mist is going to be my go-to drink from now on because, damn, that shit fucked me up this past weekend. But what I'm drinking for right now is a Jack Daniels in a delicious, one of Brylan's favorite flavors, orange vanilla Coca-Cola, which is by far fucking delicious. This is a bomb drink. I'm about to kill this Jack (laughs) tonight because this is going to be a great recording so if you haven't tried it it's just a jack and coke <laughs> with sweetener to be honest with the vanilla and a hint of orange so it's pretty good um, makes it a little bit sweeter easier to drink i've been watching a bunch of stuff to be honest with you guys uh, but the one i do want to kind of talk about is a sh- movie on netflix right now called a dark song have you guys heard anything about this have you seen it at all so, um, as always, we don't want to spoil anything, especially if I really want, I really actually want to review this movie, uh, at least in some capacity, or I really need one of you guys to watch this movie. Is this because, a Childish Gambino thing? No, no. No, okay. Uh, this is kind of like this movie that's kind of out there, super small cast. I'll, I'll look up some uh, more of the credits, because I don't think I can pronounce, uh, I can't remember who actually did it, um, but it takes place with a woman who is dealing with the death of her son. And what she wants to do is see if she can summon her, um, summon her, she just wants to see her son again. So she wants to summon her son by trying to see if she can uh, perform a ritual with a guy that she hires in a a random house. And she's trying to perform this ritual to summon a guardian angel to fulfill a wish. And holy fuck, this movie is nuts. I think this is like a fear boners material, but a much better. It's not like a shitty horror movie. Sorry, have it. But it's it's definitely messes with your mind. So uh, I'm very curious for more people to watch this movie uh, and see it because we, me and Emma kind of watched it sort of randomly. She got like a recommendation via Twitter of, hey, this movie has like one of the craziest endings. And I'm like... Let me check it out. I don't think it has a cra- that much crazy of an ending of the other movies we've seen, but I also think that it's, it's some pretty f- good filmmaking to be a sm- super small cast. Um, so that's called A Dark Song. That's currently on Netflix right now. Um, definitely go check it out. Uh, quick tidbit, we also ex- I also accidentally stumbled upon a British dark comedy called Flowers. That's also on Netflix. Have you guys heard about this show? No. Yeah, so this is like where I was. I was on a dark a dark path somewhere in Netflix, <laughs> and this is great. There's great stuff popping up. Um, dark uh, Flowers, I'm not going to talk about that one too much, uh, but this show is absolutely amazing. If you like British humor and the dark comedy that's starring Olivia Colman and the guy who looks like Dominic West and sounds like Dominic West, but it's not. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I would say definitely go check that out. It's only two uh, it's two seasons. I think there's six episodes each. And so I plan on finishing that this week before Game of Thrones come out, comes back. So I'm probably going to binge that on Thursday on my uh, flight home. So, that as I've been watching. And as we transition over to our favorite section, I shall be raising my glass. I'm going to be raising my glass so that we can get ready to dedicate our Cinda Sips to all the lovely people that we have out there. So, Brylan, who are you dedicating to doing a shout-out for your Cinda Sip tonight? Uh, I'm going to send 
myself out to two people that have uh, doing some significant changes in their life. Uh, one is Reggie Fizami, who was the uh, president of Nintendo up until yesterday, which was his official retirement day. But uh, the cool thing about it is Reggie officially joined Twitter, and he's just at Reggie, which is awesome. And he's been posting like all these really cool like moments from his past of working at Nintendo, but he's also done an amazing job at Nintendo, so thank you, Reggie, for all the hard work you did for Nintendo and video gaming as a whole. And I also want to give a nice uh, sip to Tiger Woods. He's back, baby. He actually won the Masters. Uh, He's got his game back. It'd be cool to see if Tiger continues to dominate and actually start Get it, winning mass uh, championship after championship. That'd be really cool to see. Yeah, so, for sure, man. Sip to do those two guys. Big ups to Tiger because man, Sunday was blowing up. Even be- even before anything, like everybody was like, because the Masters doesn't start on Sunday. If you're not aware, it's like a three day event. Usually they have some shitty rain weather, some weird delays. It was in Georgia, and man. Sunday was like on fire and as I was going through the airport everybody was surrounded by the TVs and the bars and everybody was like looking at us like I've never seen this amount of people watch golf ever in at least what maybe six seven years so that's it's cool to see uh, especially kind of him kind of coming back and kind of winning that um, even in the fashion that he did because he was just like in the hunt the entire time and they even interviewed um, all the like some other golfers who was like still kind of fighting and vying for first place and they were like it's impossible to play, play near this dude. It's like a roar every time. It's like a stadium in the sound that they kind of cheer for this dude. It's so nerve-wracking. It's like t- difficult to kind of focus, which is not really, I mean, realistically, that is not something that you can prepare for, kind of planned when you're playing golf, right? Like there's clapping and stuff, but like that sort of uh, sound is kind of crazy. So big ups to you, Tiger. Uh, Mocha, who are you dedicating your sips to tonight? Yeah, I'm going to send my sip out to uh, the Night King. Um, as we all know, Game of Thrones started this season, and uh, I gotta say, I'm proud of the guy. You know, he's been talking for a while, people talking about how he's gonna come down and do his thing, and, you know, he finally got his act together, got his life sorted out, and made his way south the wall and started actually trying to accomplish his dreams. And,. Honestly, I feel like that's an inspiration for me right now. I'm still up in my personal cold north of depression. But one day I'm going to march south of that wall and do my big thing. So big shout out to you, Night King. You're an inspiration to us all. Thank you, Night King. (laughs) (laughs) Weird to thank you, but all right. His name Uh, is Reginald. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Uh, my huge, huge Cindisip, sappy Cindisip is going to go to my lovely girlfriend for inviting me to a wedding that was in Virginia. Uh, that was absolutely phenomenal. Um, super fun, super friendly. Uh, everybody was like absolutely amazing there. So big shout outs and kind of thanks to you for being amazing. That, that's all I got, I got there. So I'm going to do that. Uh, we love you, Emma. Yeah, for sure. And with that, we're going to take a break. So this is going to be our spoiler section. We'll be back for a full spoiler edition of Hellboy. Hi, everyone. Just a quick note. We actually wanted to add Abbott to this review, but he couldn't make it, so we actually had him record something separately. His section is going to be after all of ours, so stay tuned for that. Thanks, and enjoy. 
So, and we are back, and we are the Down in Front Podcast. We are going to give you our spoiler section of Hellboy, directed by Neil Marshall, um, written by Andrew Cosby, starring David Harbour, Mila Djokovic, Ian McShane, Shasha Lang, and a bunch of other characters. Uh, we broke this up into a couple different sort of sections. So as always, we're going to be talking about the actings and the actual characters. After, we're going to be talking a little bit about the comparison of the original uh, movies. So there's actually two Hellboy and Hellboy, I believe, was called The Golden Army, um, along with the actual comics and sort of the graphic novels before we give you a bit of a send-off. So I'm going to toss it over to Brylin. It says, Brylin, talk to me about this character's story of Hellboy. (laughs) Wow. Uh, So, man, after I watched this movie, I was just like, what the fuck is going on here? I haven't been this baffled by a movie since Transformers The Last Night. That it was just utterly just a bunch of visual vomit put on the screen that I did not know what the hell was going on throughout most of it. But, like, for the characters here, I'll start with uh, Hellboy himself, David Harbour. I kind kind of feel like this with a lot of the characters in this movie. I, I see what they were trying to get at, but... For some reason, nothing really clicks with anything about that character. Uh, I mean, David Harbour, pretty good actor and everything, but and he's definitely delivering these lines that I feel like are made to be funny and very tongue in cheek and like very true to like the witty wittiness of Hellboy as a character. But it never really lands for some reason. It just feels like dead every single time he delivers a line. And I don't know if that's totally on David Harbour, but there's there's just something where, like, with the Hellboy costume itself, uh, there's a lot of prosthesis and makeup on him, and he kind of, like, gets lost in it. He can't really see his personality shine through. And... When it comes to, like, the actual Hellboy, like, the strong right hand, that right hand looks so god-awful. There's moments in the movie where I think it's not working, and they, he still just kind of rolls with it, where it just feels like a worthless, like, paperweight that's on his head when he's moving around. So, I don't know what they're trying to do with that, but um, the whole Hellboy character himself didn't really uh, work for me at all. Yeah, I was super bummed. Man, I was super bummed. <laughs> I was super bummed by this entire movie, but <laughs> the whole fucking movie. Yeah, the one thing I was really bummed about was, you know, they didn't even focus on the hand, his strong right at, at all. I think he used it maybe a total of like three or four times, and that was it. He punched um, the elevator with it. Yeah, it, well, he <laughs> continually punched the elevator, which never even broke with it, and didn't even cause any damage to the elevator, which is like a small... It, it didn't make any sense. Um, but the other thing I was really bummed about was... Man, I'm, I'm curious to see how many of these lines were just, like, just wing it, from what you think. And we don't really want to kind of go off of uh, the stories that are already there. <laughs> we just want to kind of make our own thing. And it felt like they just wanted to create their own thing, entire universe, without kind of giving any sort of tribute to, like, the source material. Which, I, do, I never mind that, for sure. Like, I liked a lot of these moments with this Hellboy being childish, being, like, immature, like, having some wisecracking jokes and stuff, and some things that kind of made some sense, and, like, kind of added a bit of, like, lightness to the character, which I thought was, uh, in certain cases, could be fun. 
But, man, uh, there's so much that was just... I felt like they tried to just do too much, and it, it almost felt as though the less is more. And I know we'll talk about that a lot. But the less is more of you don't have to be talking into a wisecrack every fucking moment. And it doesn't have to... Uh, I'm just curious as to see what was their character designs and what was their overall sort of thought going into it, or if there was it, it. It almost felt like they were being like a satire, right? This movie felt like a satire of comic book movies, superhero sticks, and whatever. But instead of being like, "Oh, you're making fun of yourself," they actually were being serious about it. And I, <laughs> I was just very confused at what they were doing. What they were doing. It's hard, man. I don't know. I can't honestly say if they were, like, if this movie was a parody of itself or not, because I don't know the Hellboy source material beyond just, you know, a couple of, like, you know, panels that have gone viral on the internet regarding Hellboy, like the one with the monkey with the gun and stuff like that. (laughs) But, but, like, this movie, I had a, I felt like... I had a lot of excitement going into it because, you know, Guillermo del, del Toro's movies were pretty, pretty damn good in of themselves. They weren't amazing, but they were good. And I just thought that, I don't know what I thought. This movie didn't do it. <laughs> Whatever it was, I thought, <laughs> man, it was like, uh, it was, it was a bummer, man. It really was the bummer through and through. Um, I think you're right, Warren, in that they try to do way more than they needed to. Maybe they tried to hit a lot of scenes that were classic from the comic books. But as far as I'm concerned, the entire scene in the UK with the giant hunters from the Osiris Club uh, hunting Hellboy and also him afterwards fighting the three giants, I don't see how any of that was necessary other than the beginning of the scene, which was used as an exposition dump to explain who Hellboy was and where he came from, which they could have done a million other ways. Um, you know, the, the Del Toro movies just did it as a flashback to start the movie before the title card. Um, you know, I'm not saying they had to do everything this way Del Toro did it, but like that seemed to take care of it well enough. Also, in that flashback, I just want to point out really quick that I don't know whose decision it was on the creative team to make baby Hellboy have like a human adult like like middle-aged head and face, but it was not, it was not endearing. If I saw that thing crawl out of a crack in the ground, I would have shot it a million times. Like, there was nothing cute about that baby. Yeah, that, man, I think that's, that's definitely like a, um, you know, common denominator that we can say. I don't know who the X was, but this was a bad idea for anything. I don't know who the writer was, but that's a bad idea. I don't know who the visual effects lead was, but that was a bad fucking idea. For it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the, uh, like, you can put that, you can use that statement in just about any component in this movie. Um, I was just really, sh- I-, I was just taken back by what was this movie's budget? There's no way this movie budget was less than the other two movies. In this, movie, it was actually. How, but how how much? It was this one's budget was fifty million dollars. The first Hellboy movie uh, was sixty five. Okay, that's not. I mean, okay, it's not a huge difference. Yeah. So the the reason why I was alluding, what I was like leading up to, and that's a good call out, is does fifteen million dollars makes difference of the visual and the special effects this terrible because holy shit i thought this movie was from like 2000 
easily. I was like, well, this is not going to hold up tomorrow, let alone, <laughs> <laughs> let alone next week. Like, this is Sharknado bad. looks better than this movie. I mean, like, man, I, I, I was just so taken away. I was taken back, and we first get it with the... His friend and I and I was digging like where it was going and he was go hunting and finding his friend who somehow turned into like a vampire. And I was like, Oh, this is like interesting because his face was covered and I didn't I didn't pick up on this and I was like, Oh, his face is covered, they'll, they'll use that. The moment that mask came off, this movie lost me. And audience, <laughs> that was like three minutes into this movie. I was like, Oh fuck. That's that's not good. No, why would you do that? And it, it literally went downhill because when the trolls came, I'm like, are the giants came? I'm like, all right, I'm uh, I, I, okay. I'm just gonna go through this movie, eat this <laughs> burger, and just figure this shit out. So you I'm know what? Really surprised about the visual aspects. I will say that the very least, the very least, the uh, like the concept art or the concept is the concepts and designs for the different characters was pretty well executed. Like the giants conceptually, I'm not talking about in terms of execution, but how they looked there, the ideas behind them were pretty cool. The, the giant demons that came out at the end, just for that five minutes of having like unnecessary gory deaths before they crawled back into a hole to hell. Those were all really well designed and looked interesting. Baba Yaga, despite being like this weird blend of like this weird use of practical effects in a movie that had so many demons done with computer animation, she was still really cool from a conceptual standpoint. Yeah. The execution was off almost across the board, but I actually like Baba Yaga. Like, I think that is probably, (laughs) I think that's the only character I liked in this movie because it was soup. I guess it was how we were presented with her character it was super creepy. It was very dark. So again, less is more. And it was very, very weird. And almost there was so many horror elements and horror themes. I think this is the same guy. I think, and I talked with um, Abbott about this. This is the same guy that did the, the the Descent. And I actually dug that movie a lot. That movie was really mm-hmm. good. And so I uh, like literally and uh, sadly enough, this scene with when Hellboy and Baba Yaga is kind of battling now is over an hour. I want to say hour and twenty minutes into. The the movie so i'm like oh fuck we should not have wade through all that shit just to get here and so i really like that scene with them fighting i like baba yaga creepiness especially the little the the children that's being like hung and like being eaten in the background yeah. it was very very good i like everything about that sequence and that scene because it was practical and it was very confined and they it didn't feel like they had to do a lot i'll be i'll be surprised if that's not the first scene that they shot and then they did have to do some reshoots. I'm, I'm, I'm curious to see when was that sequence sort of shot in between everything else. Cause there's a lot of good practical stuff in here, really good stuff. And then there's a lot of just stuff that I'm like, what are you doing? Like you rip out a guy's tongue to talk to him. Concept. Oh my it's concept. It's fucking concept. Great. Cool. Yeah. Execution terrible. So, like, who was this visual director that said that that's a good idea to, to show? Like, no, no fucking way. Like, this, I don't know, like, this gore porn, like, murder porn stuff is not good in the movie that also is starting off with Mila Djokovic looks, looks terrible, looks like a computer animated when she's getting cut up, and just, I, I hope she's giving her all. I mean, 
I can't fault the actors. I know we talked about this of who to fault and who we're going to put the blame. I'm like, I don't know. I, I really don't know. Because if Neil Marshall was saying, yeah, that's a good idea. I'm, it's kind of like a George Lucas in the uh, or the prequels. I'm like, bro, did, did nobody tell him that's not a good idea? I, I, I have no idea. It's, it, it was confusing to me. Yeah, yeah it's I, interesting to see like um, how much... Uh, who had the creative control over this movie, whether it's the studio or the director itself. But I mean, like Mila Jovich's character, Nameaway, who's the uh, main bad guy here. Um, I wonder like, what was the direction she was given? Like when her head's being put in the box and she's doing like this weird, like, um, like horror, horror scream from the fifties. And that's all it looks like is like, have you ever seen like an old, like Hitchcock film and people have to overact to sell the emotion. She was just kind of went back to that kind of acting where it's just like, let me show you how cra- like how much I'm screaming by moving my face a lot more. <laughs> and so it was a, uh, it was a weird choice. I think to, like, I mean, I've seen Mila Jovovich like horror movies like this, kind of fit her wheelhouse but to see her be underutilized when she is actually a very talented actress that can pull off some quirkiness in her characters uh that it, it, it's kind of sad to see that she probably showed up on a set and they said we want to film you yelling at people and screaming and then we're going to put it into whatever movie we want and that's what it just feels <laughs> like is that she did some generic takes for this movie yeah Man, go ahead, go ahead, Warren. Yeah, oh, I mean, I got nothing. I got nothing right now. It's, it, I, was, it, I just feel. I, I guess I, I do. I, I feel bad. Um, I feel bad for the people who put a lot of hard work into this movie, not knowing what the outcome would be. Maybe they did. Maybe they didn't. I don't know if they necessarily like, um, sort of uh, uh, innocent in it, but. This movie is just going to get shed on through and through. And I like some of the things that they were doing. I like creative liberties. I like when people do things differently. We don't like cookie cutter. We don't like the shit that we've seen, even with Marvel, right? Like, I, I still like to see things different. We talked offline about, you know, the whole merger. We talked about the things that DC are doing. Like, I like some of these things, right? I at least like the attempt, that's my goal, right? I don't want to make sure that we go to a movie and everything feels the same because it's stale and it's boring. So I'm all about that. But there also has to be that time in which that says, does this movie make sense? And I do not know if somebody sat there and literally thought this out through and through. Like, I want to see the storyboards <laughs> that says, we log- like logistically are going to go... Slide one, slide two, slide three, slide four, all the way to slide ten, just for right now for this quick scene, and this is like what we're trying to accomplish. I'm, I'm, I'm baffled if that did happen. I'm like, what? Like, how was people putting fifty million dollars into this movie? That's a lot of money, man, and that's more than I think we had talked about this previously, right? That's more than um, so many of the Leica films I can't even like made back and that move those movies are phenomenal so that's why like it it is mind-blowing but it's also upsetting that uh, a lot of people's names could be kind of tied to this and it's like oof, that's that's not good 
Yeah, and I mean, there's points in this movie where I like we mentioned Baba Yaga, like conceptually a really cool looking character, execution not that good. For the longest time, I thought Baba Yaga was just the older version of the head of the Witch Sisters that actually like take, that try to that take Naomi's power away from her and her crown. And I was uh, just like, okay, is this is this uh, is this her or not? But no, she came back at the end. Hasn't changed at all in a thousand years, and she's just there to give the crown back to Nimue. And I'm like, all right, why why was this person ever introduced in the first place? It makes absolutely no, no sense at all. No good reason. Like so yep. many decisions in this movie. Why yep. did we get to see this gigantic army of ghouls and goblins at the base of this mountain where Nimue is done in this like shitty, shitty Transformers Beast Wars CGI? And then just to have them all scattered away and never be as like, soon as Hellboy again. shows up, they're like, "Oh, we got to bounce." This is just between those two. <laughs> yeah, it didn't make like, any sense. It was just such bad CGI, and to have such a big focus on it in that scene for literally no reason other than to have Mila Jovovich give a very underwhelming uh, Braveheart speech to the demon world. It was oh, oh god, it was such a mess, man. Time. <laughs> but um yeah other messes that are in this movie like ian mcshane um as professor broom you think it would be amazing casting choice because ian mcshane is someone that's made a career out of playing crusty foul mouth mentors he does this same thing on american gods as odin uh but um for this movie he's just like really misused like it's weird that the, we, the first couple scenes we see with him are like one line for him to deliver to remind Hellboy of his strong right hand. It's like, everything will turn out right because of your strong right hand. He says it like five times in this movie. But it's only till the, at the final end where his his spirit is actually uh, actually talks to Hellboy through Alicia that they're, or Alice, that uh, that he has a meaningful moment with Hellboy, and it's probably the best moment in the movie where we have Professor Broom talking to um, Hellboy about why is he going to be the one that saves the world, and it's this whole thing about responsibility versus your nature and choosing your path rather than just going with what, like, uh, what destiny will tell you, which I thought was pretty cool story but we needed more of that with to build up that relationship and build that connection uh especially because we can't rely on the original movies if you're treating this as a reboot (sighs) anything else you guys want to talk about uh characters or story before we move into the uh more of the comparisons to the original movie uh, the other uh, character I wanted to mention was Sasha Lane as Alice, um, who's like Hellboy's uh, assistant in this uh, movie. Uh, I thought she was a very cool casting choice. Uh, I like her character a lot, just being this uh, young kid that has this uh, this ability to be a spiritual medium between spirit world and real world. And even though it's a very grotesque way of channeling spirits, just having her gut shoot out of her mouth. I like the whole visual concept and the idea of that definitely poor CGI to make it happen. But there was something really neat about it. And I especially thought it actually kind of worked when we see professor broom talk to uh, Hellboy 
at the very end. Uh, and then other than that, I like that the pig dude just kind of cussed all the time because I was cussing throughout this whole movie. So uh, I, I appreciated that he was just a potty mouth the whole time. The pig dude, whose character really amounted to nothing, because yeah. like I thought we were going to get something out of his character. <laughs> yeah, first, first, first of all, he didn't have like a really legitimate reason to hate the uh, the main character. Like, okay, so. He found him out that he was a changeling and not the real human baby, but then he had the rest of his life to, I don't know, like be a changeling in someone else's family. I don't know how that works in this universe. I don't read the comics, but it just seemed like a weird reason to hold this eternal grudge against Hellboy. Uh, Two, like his final fight scene in the movie was like cool enough to see them fighting with like Daniel Day Kim's kitty cat form, but it, it amounts to nothing because at the end he just like, the, the witch just walked over and, like, turned him small and then made him pop into a pool of blood. A pool of just blood, but mind you. There weren't even any, like, fur or body parts. Like, they just, like, for some reason, they were just like, oh, yeah, let's just make it be, yeah, like, a blood a blood water balloon. Not even um, 5,000 rib cages, like Mortal Kombat. <laughs> yeah, like, we had a... <laughs> we had... An earlier scene where Hellboy was eating soup that was, uh, or like, look, looked like borscht that was filled with like, he- like children's fingers. Like you tell me, we can't get any body parts when the the second main villain of the movie gets blown to bits. Uh, the decisions in this movie were just so so mind boggling. I don't know why who was making them. <laughs> yeah, I'm still confused about like I'm looking at just some of the characters, and if we just go and you know talk about. Some of these we haven't necessarily mentioned yet. You have uh, this jaguar, um, cheetah. Where, 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 war? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, where cat? I don't know what it is, but how did he even survive in the first place if the rest of your group got murdered? He ran why, really fast. Why are you alive? Like, I. I, I did think that there were some things in this movie that were inserted that's like, oh, okay. So this guy is just here to have some fun. Uh, Thomas yeah. Church, Lobster Johnson, hilarious character. I was like, okay, yeah. this is a character <laughs> that should be in the movie. And so we need to put him in Hellboy and just have them like have some fun like make it light you know not show all the visual effects these like f- kind of fighting crime and kind of doing their thing like when they showed his character I was very confused also I know we, we're we not going to go into detail but the tone and the music of this movie and what was shown was three entirely different things and yeah. so I'm like this is a pretty serious sequence why is this a super upbeat music that Somehow he's playing in his headphones on the helicopter and takes it off and it's now muffled. What? So uh, I, <laughs> I was just like looking through like the people that are in this movie like, and I, and, and I know we talked about this a lot of the movie franchise that we're not going to mention. But man, I am tired. I am real tired of getting King Arthur stories. Holy <laughs> shit, y'all yeah. guys! Yeah, we've gotten like eight King Arthur stories, and I think we reviewed, like, five of these movies, like, holy fuck, why do they keep doing but this? But this, because it's a this tale is of the, time. <laughs> this is the only King Arthur story that ends with King Arthur's, like, granddaughter fucking a goat demon. So, that fills a niche. I, I guess. I guess. I don't think I'd, I don't want to see that. If this is the Andrew album. Abbott would approve. Yeah, right? That's, that's an Andrew Abbott comment, for sure. Yeah. Clearly hung out with him last week. I know it. 
Yeah. But that's, I mean, you definitely make a great point. I mean, this movie didn't feel like a Hellboy movie until, like, Hellboy and Lobster Johnson talked to one another. And then, like, the jokes hit, and they actually had a good rapport with one another. But everything else is just so horribly done. I mean, I, I appreciate, like, you said, Mocha, like, the giant demons that come out of the uh, chasms at the end feels like a very um a very epic uh kind of uh oh who is that guy damn it i forget his name lewis carroll no um the other the older old white guy that uh did fantasy books about scary monsters <laughs> oh oh um it felt very lovecraftian at the end lovecraft yeah there you go yeah like a very apocalyptic uh moment but i mean it just nothing gels together everything feels like it's from a different movie but like with daniel day day kim's character um we really don't need a backstory for him he it's he's weird like he just pops in out of nowhere he's not with the bprd but feels like reluctant to have to work with him he wants to kill hellboy and then he's not really interesting at all until he turns into the jaguar and you see him fight the pig monster so yeah, also, it's just really like quick, a waste of a character. <laughs> I want to throw something out there because Daniel Day Kim goes and he gets a special bullet that's made out of like angel bones and all this random shit that's supposed to kill de- the like demons to use on Hellboy. He decides after seeing Hellboy uh, in action, oh, I'm not going to use this on him. But then instead of saving that bullet to fire at the immortal demon witch, he just breaks it on the ground and says, this was a mistake. Uh, What is a mistake? (laughs) And they focus on him throwing his back and it shattering. I'm like, why do we need to see? We don't care. He he just threw it away. You didn't need the time of him leaving and going and meeting a new character to get this gun made, uh, to get this bullet made. You didn't need that if all you wanted to get across with that scene was just him having the realization that he likes Hellboy. That could have been done without without that, and I could have it could have been an, minute, an hour and fifty minute movie instead of a two hour movie. Anything else you guys want to talk about characters before we move into more uh, comparisons to the original film? Um. <laughs> All I want to say is that I really don't understand what this world is like. Like, I couldn't put my finger on it throughout this movie as to whether or not this is a world where people already know that demons exist, and so they're kind of cool with it, but they don't like them. Or if they don't know that demons exist, and so things like the BPD is a secret, and Hellboy himself is a secret. Because, like, people are freaked out by him when they see him, but nobody reacts in a, like, a, oh, this is the first time we're all seeing a demon man kind of way. But at the same time, like, the demons are kept really separate from all other normal humans throughout the movie, so we don't get to see how they interact with each other until the giant demons come out of the, cre- the crevice. It's just like, I don't know, this movie didn't do a good job of explaining itself in any, in any way, almost. Yeah. Yeah, I was, uh, I think the one thing I thought was kind of funny was we had talked about, we've seen a bunch of these, um, sort of news segments that talk about hey make sure that you're evacuating people are all evacuating like this like all this stuff is happening all these demons are just you know running amok in the end and because they want to kind of rank the gore up to you know over 9000 they put <laughs> they put people just randomly walking on the street and then the, <laughs> the, the street opens up in hell, and people are like getting. 
every sort of kill you can think of I've seen this movie. I'm like, guys, why why is this random? And the reason why I like cackled out loud, a random black dude in a suit just walking down the middle of the street. Then he goes, oh my god, a demon, and tries to slowly run away. It gets like beheaded or somehow like gets like. Doesn't he split him like between the legs like a chicken wing? Not th- what pro- someone probably. does. Yeah, and I was just like, <laughs> guys, what? My favorite was just like the giant skeleton that would walk by and people just get impaled on his legs. <laughs> <laughs> just shish kebabing dudes left and yeah, right. and he's just like walking, minding his own business. It's just like oh, random person impaled. <laughs> The, amount of, the body count in this movie was so astronomical. My favorite demon was the one that was walking through the river that like crashed through the London Bridge, whose face looks suspiciously like a giant vagina. Um, <laughs> this movie just really just... Fuck, man. I really just don't even know what to say about this movie. It was just absurd in a way that was not good or endearing. <sighs> That demon absolutely had vagina head. Go back and rewatch it. Yeah. <laughs> what, what? What can you do? What can you do? All right. So anything else? You can make any other movie. <laughs> yeah. All right. So let's talk about some more of the comparisons because I know that this movie drastically is different. Um, even the story and the kind of the plot line and the like, they at least kind of had some things that were similar. So I'll toss it over to you, Brylin. What do you got? Uh, yeah, so when it comes to like the original source material and uh, the previous movies, uh, I enjoyed the previous movies uh, a lot. Uh, I thought Ron Perlman was a fantastic Hellboy. Uh, I thought they brought a lot of heart to the story, which I think is really important along with the quirky characters. And even though this might have a smaller budget, they for some reason, it looks 10 times worse than a movie that came out almost 15 years ago. So uh, we mentioned a lot about just like, damn, the visuals are just got awful here, but damn, it's got to be said again. Just how, how do you just mess up a budget like this? And one thing about Tell Toro is he knows how to infuse heart into his stories. And I think that's why he's such a phenomenal director. Um, there was like zero heart in this uh, story at all up until like, unless like you count the last minute at the very end. And I think that the movie suffers hugely from it, that they didn't take the time to kind of make us care about these characters even if they're characters that people know and it's just only the fans you're gonna get or if it's the first time someone watching you still gotta bring the heart for the characters for people to get connected to them and that was totally missing in this movie one other thing that i think makes del toro such an amazing director is that he knows how to work a budget he can take a 20 million dollar budget and make it look like a hundred million dollar movie and that's where we have a um just like terrible disparity here with that the quality of this film does not hold up to the money that was accrued to make it work Mm. yeah uh and and it's kind of a bummer because I thought that they were going somewhere when um, Sasha Lane's character was about to die. Alice was about to die with the little stick that was in her neck. And I was on board enough to say, okay, so how is this going to fix it? Oh, they have to find Merlin. And they're going to find Merlin who's... who can't die. So they go... 
to Merlin who can't die and Merlin pulls it out and resurrects the Excalibur to use his final power that kills Merlin and Hellboy says no I don't want to do this because I saw what was going to happen to it so not only did we have an emotional beat that they just kind of threw away pretty quickly because Merlin just literally pulls it out and that little sliver thing slivers away and um, I, I can't remember the, the, the guy's name but he's like are we not even going to focus on that and they literally didn't even focus on that and I think there was a line uh, in here when Alice's character talks about oh no that's going to be in the sequel and I'm like Man, like, let 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 the let us kind of care about these characters uh, uh, like enough. Like, we you introduce us to Alice. We see that Alice's parents are dead. We see that Alice uh, still talks to her parents, but we don't care why, when, how Alice's parents even died. I thought that little that pig guy killed her parents, and I thought that would have been interesting, but that didn't happen. And so I'm like. Why aren't you kind of giving these things that should be happening? We should be caring about Alice. We should be caring about the Captain whatever dude. We should be caring about the father, Ian McShane. Uh, we should be caring about these characters knowing that we... For sure, we knew Ian McShane was going to die in this movie. But it happened so quickly and kind of like brushed away to that his soul comes back sort of through Alice, this weird thing out of her mouth, and I'm like, I still don't have any emotional connection with any of these people because so much shit has happened already that we we never got the, a chance to kind of feel and, you know, going back to Guillermo del Toro, like, that was heartbreaking, like, that was kind of tough that, uh, you know, that he was talking about what he was, like, type of candy that was he was feeding him and how... They even had like kind of a relationship uh, in the, you know the original movie and how that was kind of difficult and he had a difficult choice to make, and we got so much emotional and also you know Ron Perlman did like a, I think he did a great job with uh, the portrayal of sort of Hellboy, and so we got so much emotional stakes that like it wasn't a perfect movie by far, but according to this it definitely was, and so we got a lot of buy-in from these characters that they just didn't seem to want to write that story and i feel like that's the people that's gonna like choose to like like this movie even though it's not what everybody else wants that you still give me something to, to care about people in the movie and they just never cared yeah like i mean we don't even care about hellboy in this movie which yeah. is a shame yeah that i mean he's there to be the star and everything and um that like you were mentioning that point with uh, Merlin like as you said he's like hey look, we're going to introduce you to an immortal wizard you're going to spend about five minutes with him but we got to find a way to make him die and it's just so it's just so like almost depressing to just watch that scene because it's just like I use my final power and then all of a sudden he just becomes a skeleton and turns to dust right in front of him and Hellboy's just like wait what? <laughs> so he's just like things just move too fast for him to even just comprehend what exactly was going on so oh, okay. uh, or he just decides that he doesn't care I would say I mean when it comes to like the character of Hellboy um, I mean they definitely lean probably more on the boy part than the hell part because he, he is very man childish in this movie and almost like a five year old that was given a, a like omnipotent powers and a big gun and it's it's become uh, it was just uh, very tough to 
just kind of follow that type of character through the movie. Uh, but I think it's a shame just like how bad this movie came about because Mike Magnolia's uh, universe is actually very colorful and cool and actually has some uh, really cool uh places you can take it like i was hoping for this hellboy to be really good and actually uh kind of introduce people to this universe again because i'd love to see characters like the amazing screw on head come into play because i from the graphic novels i've wrote i've read um like the first hellboy uh series is really good i haven't read any of the later ones or the reprises he's done but i did read amazing screw on head which is like an offshoot and i would like love to see that type of character come into play as well Okay, got anything? Uh, not too much, honestly. Uh, um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, you know, I, I watched the uh, the Guillermo Hellboy Guillermo del Toro Hellboy movies a while ago, so I don't have the greatest memory of them, and I never did read the Mike the Hellboy comics by Mike Mignola growing up. But everything that I've seen from the Mike Mignola comics, none of that came through in the in the, the movie I watched, and. Like you mentioned earlier, Brylin, Guillermo del Toro infuses all of his all of his works with a lot of heart. And this movie felt so shallow. It just felt so, so shallow. And they were just I don't know who this movie was for. I really don't I I wish I did. I wish I had an idea. But it doesn't feel like they tried to to handle it in a way that would make maybe diehard comic fans happy and maybe i'm wrong maybe the diehard uh fan like comic fans of hellboy are all about this movie but i don't think that's the case because i've talked to a couple people who i think would feel otherwise (laughs) so like i don't know like the type of this type of movie like the amount of gore and the thoughtlessness with how the gore was used made it seem like this movie was made strictly for 15 year old boys and no one else the entire market was just like like pre like early teens would be like oh hell yeah that movie was so cool because uh, like someone got ripped in half but there was nothing else there nothing else and that's so sad (laughs) yeah I mean, if they if they did put a scene with a monkey holding a gun in this movie, that would have been the best scene in this movie. Would have made it for me. Would have made the whole movie. <laughs> so, with that, let's talk about conclusions, guys. <laughs> in this section here, we'll we'll talk about you know if you you know like didn't like the movie overall. Um, I think by this point, you should already know that we are not a fans of this movie. Uh, but what would you recommend other people sort of watch if you're not going to recommend this movie uh, or read or do? Brylin? Uh I would say this is definitely the worst movie of the year by far. Um, I don't think anybody should watch this. If you want to watch Hellboy, uh, watch uh, Del Toro's uh, films. They're both very good at uh creating a lot of fun action really cool worlds but also a lot of heart uh also read the comics uh and i don't know if you can find it anywhere but if you can find the pilot for the amazing screw on head that's a really cool animated one hour short that i think everybody should watch because it just shows a lot more about the cool fantasy worlds that mike mignola makes uh and if you need to go to theaters right now to see a movie with a lot of heart uh go see shazam Okay. <sighs> don't watch this movie 
Don't watch it in a theater. Don't watch it in your home. Uh, read a comic book instead. Um, don't watch yeah. it on the toilet. <laughs> don't watch it on the toilet. Don't watch it on a plane. Uh, just don't give this, this movie the time of day. It's really not worth your time. Um, I think that I would love to see this movie reviewed on how did this get made. Um, but yeah. otherwise, I think that that's the most that this film can offer the world is the possibility of it being reviewed on that podcast one day. Yeah, uh, I I literally was thinking that same thing to talk to him. Like, <laughs> I want somebody to go and just dissect at all the plot holes and everything about this. Yeah, I also can't recommend this movie. Um, yeah, for all the reasons that we kind of talked about. Uh, you know, I definitely would recommend to you know if you want to check out Hellboy stuff, uh, probably read the uh, novels or read the graphic com- uh, comics, and then go and watch the uh, first movie. I didn't really like the second movie too much, but it's much better. <laughs> I mean. Again, with looking at this, I love a second movie because um, at least kind of gave me something uh, interesting to uh, kind of watch and see. Um, so I can't necessarily recommend if you want to go into the theaters right now um, to watch something. I know that Captain Marvel is still in theaters. I think Us is also still in theaters. Uh, I haven't even seen it, but I will uh, at least want to let everybody know that I've heard a bunch of good reviews on the movie Little um, that's out in theaters right now, which is also kind of really funny. Um, so uh, I definitely will suggest go take a look at all those other movies. That's definitely going to have a bit more heart. And be or Missing better. Link. Or Missing Link, thank you. I haven't seen that one either, but I still would recommend it. You should. I would recommend <laughs> And with that, we have the Down in Front podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in. Thanks so much for joining. B. Ryland, where can people find more of your work on the interwebs? Uh, you can find me posting animated GIFs that have better visual effects on this movie on Twitter at Bryland, B-R-I-L-U-N-D. Uh, you can also find me posting many TV and movie reviews on Instagram at I am Bryland. Uh, look forward. There will be some new ones being released this week. Nice. And Mocha, where can people find more of your work on the interwebs? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter writing scripts for movies that are better than this with almost no effort whatsoever at Mocha Mike, L-I, as the Lord intended. Unfortunately, you cannot find me at Mocha Mike. The person who is in charge of that uh, Twitter handle got torn in half by a 30-foot demon uh, right before you can give me the password. So unfortunately, it's not Mocha Mike. Um, but you can find me at Mocha Mike on Instagram where I post some photography work. Um, and at Mocha Mike on Medium, where I've written some longer-form articles about uh, movies that we've reviewed before. Uh, check out more of our work at downinfrontpodcast.com. That's where you're going to find our bios, our video teasers. We have our last calls. We even have our partner's information with Maya Noose and Friends with Blends. And some Fear Bonus episodes is going to be up there, so definitely go check that out. We're on Twitter at underscore IDAFP. Um, we're going to be on Facebook, facebook.com slash downinfrontpodcast. Uh, if you like what we do, you want to consider become a, a patron and donate to us, patreon.com slash downinfrontpodcast. Early episodes, even some bonus content, so that's also really cool to kind of think about um we're actually going to be on we have our music that's going to be on soundcloud we're actually going to be on reddit we're literally everywhere so that's going to be great and we're always excited to review these movies for you brylin what is our next review uh our next review is captain marvel (laughs) the original captain marvel (laughs) i mean shazam shazam Shazam! Shazam! 
Say my name. Uh, yeah, that should be... Say uh, my name, Sebastian. Interesting. Shazam. So, Shazam. Very excited for that reveal. Uh, thanks, everybody, and have a good night. Hey guys, it's Andrew, and I was unfortunately too lazy to make it to the original Hellboy recording. In fact, I'm the only lazy boy that you cannot sit in, unless you ask nicely. And that being said, the Downer Front boys have been nice enough to let me record a quick little uh, reaction for the movie, as I am a huge Hellboy fan and was really looking forward to kind of dropping my two cents in the Down and Front bin as it were. And I just got out of the movie and, um, yeah, so there's a lot to unpack here, uh, as being a huge Hellboy fan and a huge, uh, fan of the original Guillermo del Toro movies from back in 2005 and 2009, I believe. Um, yeah, so I started reading the comics a little bit before the original movie came out because I saw the trailers and the hype and I really like Guillermo del Toro's other stuff. And yeah, I, started reading them voraciously and then the movie came out and the movies were a bit different than the books and i'd say that really applies here as well which is fine um because i'm also on a lot of fan boards and things like that where people are giving huge mixed reviews about this movie some people like it some people hate it some people are stuck comparing it to the other ones some people are die or hard loyal fans of the guillermo del toro ron perlman ones which I totally understand, but I don't think we're in a situation where there can't be both. Um, because the director of this movie, I also love his movies. Like, Guillermo del Toro is easily in my top three favorite directors. Neil Marshall, probably not in my top ten, but I do still really enjoy his movies. And I think he does horror action very well. Um, another big difference between the original movies and this one is the fact that this one is a rated R vehicle which if you asked me back in 2005 if I thought Hellboy needed to be a rated R movie I'd probably say no because honestly the Hellboy mainstay title was never really there was implied violence and implied gore like it was mostly pulpy punch him up like Hellboy beats the beats the giant monster with his huge fist there wasn't any crazy gore blood or anything nuts like that mostly it was implied mostly the way that Mignola wrote it. In later years, that sort of changed. So now I think the the shoe is on the other foot, and I think we do need a rated R Hellboy, because if you follow the comics and, you know, everything that's been going on with the BPRD and Hell on Earth and everything just going nuts, basically the part in the film where everything goes to hell and the demons start rising and just ripping people to shreds and there's blood and guts and it's just gratuitous gore, a lot of the people that i've talked to have said that was way too much over the top but really like that reflects the modern comics and honestly if you think about it neil marshall had over a decade's worth more of mignola content to pull from and that's what he did and i think that's really great this movie for me at least um going into it reading some non-spoiler reviews and seeing all the trailers i was cautiously optimistic Starting with the Hellboy in Mexico uh, jaunt was very interesting because right off the bat, it felt like a lot of things had changed from that story. But as the movie progresses and you realize that Neil Marshall's kind of building his own thing as well as trying to stay true to Mignola's story, which is great. But 
I don't. I, that doesn't bother me the same way that Guillermo del Toro, by the end of his second movie, it's his own thing. Like I know Mignola helped him write that, but none of that in the second movie, the Golden Army, and all that was ever in the books. That was all movie stuff. And so, I think that Mignola and Marshall with Hellboy reboot are doing that same thing. I think they shuffled around a few things and like. In the comic series, that's the way it sort of was presented originally, is that Hellboy and the BPRD sort of jump through time, and you sort of see little vignettes of what happened, you know, when he first came out of the ground, when he was summoned by Rasputin, and then what he was doing in the 60s, and then what he was doing in, like, the thousands, and then back to what he was doing in the 90s, and then back to what he was doing in the 80s, and, like, it goes back and forth over and over again. So many times people have tried to put together full timelines of that. And they just put out an official timeline, which was kind of fun. But the movie kind of does that really well a few times. Um, and, yeah, I think it was a great mix of action and humor and horror. Because some of the stuff is super creepy. Like, I loved the Baba Yaga. I loved all the traditional makeup and the gore. Uh, the CG, unfortunately, was really kind of lackluster. And in sometimes, like, the lighting effects that were on the CG really brought you out of it. But all the character design and monster design was great. So I was really still into it, even though it was sort of distracting that it wasn't that good. As far as acting, um, I was really happy with David Harbour's Hellboy. I think he really held up. I think he is a perfect successor to Ron Perlman. I don't think he did wrong in any way. I don't think people should not watch this movie because they're trying to like support the old movies in any way. I think they should check this movie out. Um, I didn't think... Ian McShane's Professor Broom was very good. I think he tried to be too much action hero dad and not enough scholar. I feel like John Hurt's Trevor Broom was much more to the point and to the character in the old Hellboy movies. Um, maybe if there was more of a mix of that in this movie. I did really like that they included the weird ectoplasmic ghost talking sequences, as weird and bizarre and gross as that was. Like, that does happen in the comics sometimes. Um, though a couple of the big changes, uh, to try to not keep this too long, the death of Trevor Broom being in this movie, where in the comics he's not he's already long dead by this point, was was interesting it was an interesting trope but the 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 weird father-son talk at the end was kind of a down a down grade for me for the movie because it just didn't really feel it felt out of place it was just it was like the martha moment if we're going to bring it to superman and versus batman terms like that was the moment where it was like that scene where he breaks off his horns and he fights his demon inside is kind of like the scene from the original movie which is great, because it's like, there are parts in this movie that take almost directly from the original movie, but then at the same time, both of those are taking from the comics, so it's fine. It makes sense. The team dynamic is great, but it's kind of weird that they have Daimyo and, uh, what's-her-face? The girl? <laughs> but, um... Daimyo and Hellboy in the comics didn't really have that much overlapping, really. But I think in the movie it comes off really well. I think their dynamic is like crazy wear purse, crazy wear jaguar, and uh, uh, hell demon baby guy trying to fight his his inevitable future is is kind of a cool dynamic. Um, I think a lot of the the there are several pacing issues in this movie, but besides that, it is just a pulpy, fun, weird frenetic crazy acid trip 
demon apocalypse movie and they jammed so much into one movie and i found myself saying like why didn't they just jam more into it i wanted to see like other bprd members like if they went with this why didn't they bring in abe sapien why didn't they bring in liz sherman like roger the homunculus um you know all these all these classic characters could have just been like passers-by could have been like throwaway throwaway scenes but then the what this movie does really well at the end is the 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 trailer, the after-credit trailer tags were great. Like, I think that moment with Lobster Johnson, although, going back to acting, Thomas Hayden's church as Lobster Johnson, I was really excited for that, and I don't feel like he pulled into the character enough. Well, no, he pulled into the character too much. Like, in the comics, he's a very stoic, like, dry, straightforward, you know, man's man. He's just there to, like, punch Nazis and take names, and in that one... He just seemed a little too gung-ho, and his delivery was kind of odd. Like, I know he was trying to be a little bit pulpy, but I think he was a little too much. Um, I'm glad they included him. I think that's a great a great uh, inclusion for the movie. Um, and then, yes, the, the part where they actually find Abe Sapien at the end of the movie is great. Again, it's, like, significantly out of order, out of the chron- chronology of the entire, like, comic book story but that's fine like it just makes me more excited like that and then the very if you stay to the end of the credits when the Bobby Yaga shows back up and commissions someone to take out Hellboy if you know the books that's uh, I'm probably going to butcher this Kolchecki the Deathless Kolchki the Deathless he's this undead Russian warrior who's like basically been cursed to be immortal for the entirety of the universe and he won't die until he's fulfilled his his end of the bargain and he basically gets tricked into fighting hellboy because the baba yaga promises to kill him once he kills hellboy and the fight they have is incredible and so if that's if they're going to bring me abe sapien and that fight with Colchi the deathless in the second movie i am so down for a sequel to this although unfortunately with what i've heard about how this movie's performing i don't think there will be a sequel to this movie. Um, I would love to see the BPRD brought on as a series. Like, I think it would do really well on, like, a Hulu or a Netflix or even sci-fi, because they can get away with a lot of stuff late at night. I think it needs to be, like, an R-rated or unrated, like, internet series. Like, it couldn't go on a network, but I would love to do a serialized BPRD series. I think that would be super fun. Um, But, yeah, it's great to see... You know, it definitely hashes over some, some rehashes over some stuff we've seen before. It brought in a whole lot of new stuff to the table. I was really excited with the execution. It had me all over the place because at first I wasn't feeling it. The Hellboy in Mexico stuff was a low point. Like, I wanted to love that part, but it was kind of annoying. And then from there, it just gets better and better and better. Uh, Mila Jojovich she just plays the same character in every movie, so I wasn't expecting much from her. But she was decent enough bad bad guy bad person and she had fun moments with her body just being all over the place so yeah also the fight with the giants was pretty incredible although some of the effects were hokey at times it still felt like it conveyed the the fast-paced craziness of the comic fights that we see hellboy get into where he's fighting something way larger than he is that we didn't get enough of i felt like in the original movies i felt like that was really well executed with the the three-way giant fight that was super hilarious and gory as hell um and as well i was super excited that they included the arthurian legend where we find that hellboy is actually the last descendant of 
King Arthur and is the rightful king of England and the only uh, person who can wield Excalibur. It's much more epic in the comics. They kind of just toss it in the movie, which is unfortunate. The fact that they finally just pepper in like who his mom and dad are is unfortunate because it's just it's built up to really well in the comics but in the movie i'm just glad that kind of got tossed in just as the the cherry on top um it was pretty badass so yeah i don't want to keep this review too long but i really think that everybody should check this movie out it is a fantastic theater movie I would be really unfortunate if you got stuck watching it like on a tiny TV. It's really, it's a good looking movie. It's a fun looking, fast paced, crazy, gory horror action movie. And I think it delivers, honestly. There's some low points, but there are more high points. There's more to look forward to and there's more to enjoy in this movie. And um, yeah, if you get a chance, check out Hellboy in theaters.